Welcome back to NC Realtors Redefine, the NC Realtors podcast. On this episode of Redefine, if you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you're going. I sincerely think that we should always celebrate Black history every day of our lives. I would say that it's important to know your history because that empowers you to be who you are. But it's important to know that Black history is everybody's history. But first... Do you have feedback on a story or topic that you'd like to hear covered on this podcast? Then give NC Realtors Redefine a call at 336-550-4437. When leaving your voicemail, be sure to tell us your name and where you're from. Your comments may be used on a future episode of NC Realtors Redefined. Good afternoon. I am Carrie S. Rashad, Director of Business Development for NC Realtors and your Diversity Committee Staff Liaison. My name is Maurice Brown. I'm the Partner Program Coordinator and Co-Chair of the Diversity, Equity and Inclusion Committee. Today we have Asa Fleming, Wendell Bullard, Teresa Pitt, Leslie Williams, and Sophia Crisp. Each individual has been very instrumental to our associations as Black leaders within our association. And today we get to talk to them about what Black history means to each and every one of them and how it has impacted their association work with NC Realtors. So welcoming you guys in, we want to get some feedback from you guys and get some ideas and perspectives. So first question we'd like to toss out. Wendell, I have a question for you. What was the industry like when you became a realtor? How have things changed? And what still needs to be done in your opinion? Good day. Thank you, Maurice, for that question. I had to laugh because you teed it up like that. So I had to get my thoughts together and everybody around you knows me. So I'm going to be make sure I'm crystal clear. Um, the industry in 94, I came to the industry in, in October, September 1994, and started with Prudential Carolina's Realty in Durham. And it was the only African-American male there. So you know what that was like. And um, the industry was... Affordability was not an issue. The industry was, we used MLS books um, as far as accessing the property. It was not the diversity that you would see. Most of the African-American brokers I know of were at, lar- at large firms. Century 21, it was Howard Perry and Walson that time, Prudential, a lot of your major firms. Um, Remax had very few, and the industry was very segmented. Uh, a lot of your more senior members, as I call them now, used to doing things their own way, such a thing as market share. And you knew who the players were. You were taught early who the, let's call it, who the divas and divets were as far as their market share. And you really, really had to, um, it was sink or swim. We went through RES, Real Estate Economic Development course with Berkshire Hathaway Prudential to learn how to do real estate to study the ins and outs. You had actual training. You had a mentor that you were with, and you learned the first six months whether you were going to survive or not. It really was sink or swim. And very few people would share with you their strategy for how they did real estate. And so I, have, I do have a degree in business with a business background in marketing. 
So I relied on that. Plus I had been in the um, manufacturing retail sector. So I wasn't new to that part, but real estate is a different animal. And so then I'm being an African-American practitioner. I had no people who looked like me in front of me to mentor me, though they were my competitors. So I had to ask them how to do things. And then to my European um, practitioners, I felt as if it was more of, well, if it's something they didn't want to do, let's kick it to Wendell. I'm not that kind of person. And that's just set the record straight. And so subsequently, it, it created me carving out with my own voice. Um, I'm going to ask you one time, and if I don't, I'll go find out. So I participated in leadership at Prudential. We had what's called Broker Agent Council. So if I want to learn how the operation worked, I went to my manager and she was a dynamic leader. And to this day, I still have a good relationship with her to understand how to do real estate, but also how to operate a real estate business. Because I had been told by someone outside the industry, you want to be a broker very quickly and get your own firm. I stayed put for five years, worked with some great brokers who are many still friends to this day. And the industry, again, was very segmented. Uh, very much so in the Black community, I learned you had to educate our community before you could service them. And that meant being an ally. It also meant being developing friendships and relationships, understanding marketing, all the various things that come with running the business you had to learn. And it was a hustle then. It's a hustle now, albeit in a different capacity. So that is what, if I were to teach real estate today, I don't consider myself an educator, but if I want to teach anyone coming in, understand the business of real estate, what it really is. You are a small business unit. Understand the finances of it. Understand marketing. Understand the industry as a whole, because the industry is one that's dominated by a certain group of people who know it, but not willing to teach it and pass that baton over. How the industry has changed, move forward, education, technology. If you want to learn it, you have to invest in yourself. I had to put the money into, which I don't have a problem with, investing in um, accredited land consultant, ALC coursework, CCIM. You have to make the investment and be a student, constantly being a student of the craft of the industry. And with that, I made my, I made my lumps. I made my mistakes, and some were very costly. I made them one time. And some things you just have to, you've got to, you've got to hit your head against that wall and there are times I thought about leaving it. I said, I don't need this. You know, I, there are times when I thought about it. And so as I migrated into leadership by going to Leadership Academy, um, 2002, and I'll just leave that sign there. Those who know, they know. So, <laughs> but I met some wonderful people, some wonderful classmates, many of friends to this day. And I had to learn to, I had to keep learning. Even with the frustrations, one of my earlier mentors told me, she said, you're going through a rough time in 94, 95, 96, 97, because it's going to provide you benefits later in your career. I never forgot that. And she's been in business over 40 years. And she told me then, it's rough now, but you will be glad you learned what you learned. And I thank her for that. She has a birthday tomorrow. And that's very close to me. So the Leadership Academy did a lot for me. I learned a lot. The various companies, the various models opened up. I've on, on one franchise and on a current small label now. And also what I also have learned in leadership, I have a book on my desk called Leadership is Not for Cowards. So I constantly read. I constantly study. I am an Air Force veteran. So I bring the military experience to me from a young age. And um, I'm not one who will back down. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. 
But if I'm with you, I'm going to the wall with you, period, end of story. And so in this industry, one thing I have learned also that we have professional volunteers. Many times people don't know when the exit stage right. And subsequently, they get in the way of others who need their mentorship and guidance to help develop a pipeline of leadership. The best thing I've come from the industry, the industry has been good to myself and my family, but I've also been good to the industry. This is a two-way street. And subsequently, many of these people on this call this day, everyone I know, have been very instrumental in my development. I have nothing but the utmost respect for them, their friendships, and their contribution to take it to an even higher level. Whether the industry has changed their diversity, this is not something we want to put on the shelf like it was in 1970s and check off a box, been there, done that. No, 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 no. We are not interested in crumbs and tokenism. We're interested. We have a right to be at the table. We have a right to set the table, to lead the table, and make sure that everyone else gets invited to the table. And that is a journey. It just doesn't stop with us because we owe so much to so many people. So the industry has changed a lot. It's got room to go. You ask, what would I do now? What, would be, what should be changed? We have a responsibility on this call to teach those who don't know what we do in our community through our leadership, our industry knowledge, our subject matter expertise. And we, because as African-American practitioners, our role is much difficult. We're pushing a rock uphill. We have to make sure we know why we're at the table and we're not apologetic. We have to teach in our community that what we do represents private property rights, educating our young men and women that they can have a future in this to protect their families for generations to come, but also teach them how to do it right with ethics, professionalism, and be students of the industry. And this is not a quick money deal. So that's our responsibility. That's not NARs. It's not NC Realtors. It's not Durham Regional, Raleigh Regional. That's ours as African-American practitioners because our 30 or 40 million population depend on us because there's a degree of trust. And if we break that trust, we've lost, we've lost something very important that we can never get back. So the industry has changed and there's some things that have not changed and it's a constant battle for us to check those who are not doing it in our best interest, but it's our responsibility to teach. So thank you for that opportunity to speak. Thank you, Wendell, for your knowledge and wisdom. As always, we appreciate that. Asa, we'll go to you next. What was some of the most valuable advice that you received on your path to leadership? Okay, and thank you very much for allowing me to be on this podcast. It's, this is an awesome opportunity, and I'm glad it's being done. You know, uh, you know, to say what you know, what what did I learn? Is that that was the question? Correct, right? What is my the valuable things that I learned? You know, what I'll never forget Elizabeth Allardyce. You know, when I got to North Carolina and I was I started in real estate, you know, she was involved at the Raleigh Regional Association of Realtors, even though she was in Durham, I think at the time, whatever, she she was involved. So I think she chaired the uh, government affairs committee then. And um, she came up to me and she said, you know, you, you wanna be in the business of selling real estate and not just selling real estate. And so I, I always looked at that, like, I don't, you know, at first, you know, I was kind of thinking, okay, isn't that what I'm doing? You know, and so she sort of took me under her her wing and, and you know, told me how what it was like to get involved and how to really step up and, you know, contribute to the association. Another person, you know, uh, he, unfortunately, he's passed away uh, was um, 
you know, the first black president of um, RRAR, you know, and he, he was just very instrumental. You know, he came up to me you know, when he was president and he said, I'd like to sit down and talk with you. And, you know, you seem like a very, you know, interesting person. And I know you'd be a good person to get involved here. So I, we went and I, I met with him and we sat down and, you know, I told him, I said, what do you get out of this? You know, like, why, why are you even involved? You know, why are you doing this? You know, I've been, you know, kind of volunteering with the legislative committee, you know, the government affairs committee. And I'm thinking, you know, what am I getting out of this? You know, it seems like it's a bunch of people around, you know, I don't see too many other people that look like me. And um, I just want to know what, what it is and why he says, well, it's, it's not what you can get out of it. You know, it's, it's what you can do for them. You know, and if you can, you know, stay engaged, give your ideas. Um, from what I know of you, you, you have a lot to share, you know, with your corporate America background and all this other stuff and your political background, you, you can be, you can get involved. And so, you know, it, it was interesting, Vin, you know, it was Vince and Vince, Vince was somebody that really wanted to um, make sure that he left something with another African-American person when he left the association. So that was that was some good advice. And I, I, I'd say lastly, you know, one of the most important things, you know, um, that I have used up until this day, even currently, is this this is a business that, you know, will eat your lunch. You know, you if you don't, you know, if you don't really love it, then you're not going to stick with it. But, you know, the term is if you love it, you, you know, you love what you do. You never work a day in your life. And so. Um, People would tell me you gotta love the business. A lot of mentors. I mean, I've, I've got a mentor on this call, you know, on this um, Zoom here right now, which is, um, you know, Wendell Bullard, who really drove that home. He says you gotta love it. You're gonna get people from all walks of life. And so the the most important thing you've got to learn to use and use it efficiently is emotional intelligence. And anyone that knows me knows that regardless of what's happening, you know, around me, I'm gonna use emotional intelligence to come out where I, I leave myself with the best outcome. Um, I was taught, you know, a, a term called TFAC, which is to think about how I'm feeling so that I can, you know, T is TFAC, right? T is to think about how I'm F feeling so that I can A, act in a way that leads to the best C consequences. And so thinking and approaching real estate, the leadership journey in real estate like that, especially as an African-American man, um, that has been one of my, my best assets. Hey, so I appreciate your feedback and, and your perspective. Um, Leslie, what the question for you is, what obstacles have you had to overcome in your career and how have they contributed to your success? Thank you so much for that question and a good afternoon to the panel. I think that um, what I would say in terms of obstacles, I think a lot of times, you know, being new or the first of anything, and I'll use the example of being uh, the first female African-American president at Raleigh Association of Realtors. I think that a lot of times when you are female uh, going into an industry, I think we still have, you know, a lot of dominance of uh, males that there is 
sort of a, uh, you know, a mindset that maybe people have an expectation of maybe how you would show up into the space. But I think what I've always been able to do is to show up with intentionality. And that's one to make whatever environment that I show up in to be better than how I found it, uh, to always educate myself and work with others, to be able to collaborate effectively, to be able to work with individuals, to get the work done, to uh, assess the mission at hand and to be able to work uh, towards uh, being successful. So what I always find is that whether or not there is opposition, that I find a way to uh, find some commonality within that environment. And so being new or being the first or showing up in a space and really looking to others and really being able to see the future outside of currently where I'm presently standing, if that makes sense. And so always have been able to be objective, irregardless of the circumstances or anything that I've been faced with. I never see a wall. I may see a detour. So I'm always willing to go on that detour to stay on my path, but never going in the opposite direction, but just moving forward. Thank you for that. And I'm going to speak for myself and possibly Maurice as well. I really appreciate all of you guys on this panel because when it comes to staff that look like you and myself and Maurice, when we go to these meetings and events, it's so powerful and so refreshing to see people in leadership that look like us. And I just want to make that known here. Sophia, so to you next, based on lessons that you've learned, what advice would you give minorities trying to become leaders in the real estate industry? That could be your state association or your local association. Well, that's a good one. Um, so thank you for allowing me to be on this call. And I have one right away. You have to be coachable. You have to be teachable. You have to um, walk in your role as a leader with some humility. And, you know, for, for African-American females, you have to be assertive without being labeled as aggressive, but you have to be humble. And, you know, my mom used to say you have two ears and one mouth, so you should listen more than you talk. And I've got people on this this screen right here, you know, Asa and Wendell and some others, you know, when I was thrown into a leadership role with the foundation, I had no choice but to reach out for help. I was new, I was coachable, but I didn't know what I was doing and did not know the lay of the land. And, you know, the the things that go on, it, for lack of a better word, in uh, church parking lot conversation that, that parlay into what's going on in your meeting. And so I think that showing up authentically, being um, coachable and letting folks know what your expectation is and also being willing to do what you ask people to do. Nobody wants to be given an order and, you know, you do the work and come back and tell me. It's I'm willing to do this. I need you to help me. I need some help. And I always give people actionable items. I never want to go to a meeting where I leave and I haven't asked a group of people to do something. We need actionable items in terms of leadership. And then lastly, you know, there is no I in team. I like to work as a team. And I give credit to teams all the time because no one person um, gets to have the spotlight when change occurs. That is awesome, Sophia. Teamwork definitely makes the dream work. Definitely appreciate it your feedback and your nuggets of wisdom right there, I'm sure will definitely be helpful for a lot of folks. Teresa, we have a question for you. What are qualities of a great leader? Good afternoon and thank you, um, as everyone else on the panel has expressed, for the opportunity to 
share and some of our experiences and, and some of our journey. What qualities should we be exhibiting? I would say humbleness, the willingness to serve is primary. And when I see it, and when I say the willingness to serve, it's not necessarily in a way where you don't have a voice, but it is in a way that you are present in the room, observing and listening to what is going on. You always need to approach when you're any, any approaching any type of volunteerism and you're the new kid on the block, always go in with an open mind and the willingness to learn. And I like to focus on observing because you need to read the room. You need to understand who the potential players are perceived to be, who in the room is kind of, you know, sitting back, also observing, but when they speak, what they're saying is powerful. Because a lot of times you don't have to always be in the conversation and you don't have to um, command the room, but you need to listen for those nuggets. And then after the meeting or whatever environment you're in, go over to that person and just have a conversation with them. So the qualities of a leader, in my opinion, broadly, humility, be able to listen share your opinion, and don't be afraid. I think that's the, the primary one. Do not be afraid to speak your truth as, you know, because we're not always going to agree, but uh, never be afraid to speak your truth. Thank you, Teresa, for that. Wendell, we're going to go back to you. And our question to you is, you are the first Black president of NC Realtors in our history. What was your initial reaction and what, what does it mean to you at this time? Well, thank you very much, Carrie. And you were a part of my you were a part of my initial reaction because Carrie and Mandy and the team <laughs> had prepared the most memorable, one of the most memorable nights in my life in leadership. And to this day, I always have tremendous amount of gratitude and appreciation for you as a person who took the time to do what's called reverse mentoring, because I came to the table with a lot of trepidation. And as Teresa so eloquently stated, knowing who the players were involved a lot of dynamics in the organization that someone said to me, you have to check your core. It's going to be lonesome when you're in that space because we had someone by the name of Barack Obama, you know, that became the first African-American president. 2008 was the worst freaking recession since the Great Depression. And I can remember going to church saying, look, you know, I don't know what I did. <laughs> but to the God, I pray, can you give a brother some signs? You know, can you let me know? It was crushing. It was 2008 the great recession, and Carrie was so grateful to allow me to just say, Carrie, I got to, I got to vent, and I got to be careful what I say and around whom, but here is what I need to look at the landscape, and she was, and her team 
we were able to speak in that space. And as Teresa stated, I found a space to where I could ground myself. Once I knew I had to do what had to be done, I had a beautiful, wonderful person, Sandra O'Connor, as president-elect. And we talked, and she said, I got you back. And I had immediate past, immediate past president, Mr. Danny Brock, who had been sick in 2017, who really got cheated half of his year. So I really had to come in about halfway and ask my president, what do you need me to do? I'm here to execute your mission and take the middle of 17 coming into 18th. It was a quick run up. The associations went through massive changes, um, everything from the economics of it to the, we just had a lot taking place. So my lens was, as I looked around, I felt I was by myself. So when I felt like I was by myself, I went into deep prayer in order to ground myself, to take away the fear as I'm gonna walk into this and I'm gonna to have to ask for help. And I had to find out who among me could I help, who could help and whom could I trust. And I had to listen carefully to everything that was being said because I knew at some point there was a lot gonna be asked of me, but I need to know where to get it from and whom. And I talked to my dear friend, Mr. Lindsay. I talked to Asin before then and said, this is gonna be a different journey here. And so there were a number of people around me who surrounded me and said, and I was CEO at that time. And I said, what is it you expect of me? One, to my men, one of my mentors is a legal, legal scholar. And she said, Wendell, once you know what you're there for, then you know what people are. They want something from you. They just don't know what it is at this point. As long as you know why you're there, you'll know what's expected of you when you're there. Know whom you represent. Know your race and know the objectives. Focus on the mission. So that grounded me. And I want to again thank you, Carrie, for all the years of work you've given to each and every one of us. You make us better. And as staff, Maurice, I've not had the opportunity to work with you in that space. But we get to watch you all from a distance. We know where you are. We know where you are. And that's important to us because you mentor us and help keep us in the boundaries. But I have a tremendous allegiance to Carrie and her team and one of, and each and every one of you. And to this day, I don't do anything without talking with Asa and Teresa. And Leslie has a word called performative. And I've gotten to know her and I listened to some of the, yes, I know she's about to smile because it made me think about how I would conduct myself. Sophia and I have talked. We have all gone to battle in some kind of way with each other's back. And that you may not know. Uh, the larger, larger population won't know it. But Carrie, thank you. And to each and every one of you, you still help make me better. I say to Asa, I wouldn't be where I'm at without each and every one on this call because you help make me better. Now, as an older, I'm not senior in my term yet, but what has, what has, <laughs> what has hardened me has also, also softened me to be a resource for others coming along, to just be a resource, not get in the way, but be there for them like others were there for me, even if they didn't look like me. So thank you for the question, Carrie. You're very welcome. And thank you, Wendell, for those very nice compliments. I appreciate that. So the next question we're gonna have, we wanna to present to everyone, and Asa, we'll start with you. With it being Black History Month, why do you think it's important to know Black history and bring awareness? Well, you know, I, I, I will say that if you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you're going. And I think that Black, you know, African-American people have been an important integral part of history. 
And so we live in a country where, you know, we make up a, a, a certain percentage of the minority. And so what we need to do is always make sure that we are, you know, accentuating what our accomplishments have been. And so that people that are African-American and, and Black today will always remember and be able to, to look back and see what they can become. Sophia, we'll toss the same question to you. Well, to piggyback on what my friend Asa said, if you don't know where you come from, you don't know where you're going. But it's important to know that Black history is everybody's history. It shouldn't be Black History Month. We are a, a huge part of um, building this country. And we didn't come here because we wanted to come here. So we are a part of building this country and we should not only get recognized in one month. So I think, you know, I, I celebrate Black history every month because I know I can call anybody on this screen and ask them a question to, to make me a better person and share it with somebody else. And again, I want to echo Wendell. I can also call somebody at NC Realtors, Carrie and Maurice, and ask you a question and, and be very uh, unscripted, as you know, and get the answer and then make it correct and put it out there where I need to. So it's every month for me. It's very important that we stand here and share our stories in, in humility, but also in, in an effort to better somebody else. Leslie, your turn. Um, well, I would say that it's important to know your history because that empowers you to be who you are today. I think we have a very important history. And so understanding where you come from so that you can know who you are. Teresa, why do you think it's important to know Black history and bring awareness? Because I am proud. I am proud of my heritage. I am proud of my family. I am proud of what they instilled in me and what they sowed into me. And I'm proud that they left a legacy and my family and those the others before me, the expanded family, they did not do what they did and make the sacrifices that they went through for me to be silent or for any of us to be silent. So I sincerely think that we should always celebrate Black history every day of our lives when we walk out the door through our interactions with everyone we come into uh, contact with, because we represent, we don't speak for everyone, but we represent what is in, in, empowered in us. And again, through ancestry, through our ancestry, through our families, through you know our everyday interactions. So I just feel like we just need, we celebrate it each day we get up. I always say I throw these size nine out of the bed <laughs> and every day it's like, okay, it's going to be a great day. Uh, thank you, Lord, for giving me another opportunity. And to close on my end, I feel like that is the perfect uh, reason to celebrate Black history is because we have a uh, each another opportunity each day that whatever size our shoe size is hits that floor and our eyes open and we're able to say thank you for giving us this opportunity. All right, before we end, very, very quickly before we end this session, I would like for each of you to give me one word. Black history is one word to describe it to you. Wendell. Black history is me. Teresa. Black history is powerful. Sophia. 
Black history is empowerment. Leslie. Black history is love. And Asa. Black history is amazing. And you all are as well. And we thank you so, so much for participating today. Again, we could not do this work without you all. We appreciate your leadership. Thank you. You guys are so amazing. So amazing. Much love to you all. Much love to each and every one of you. I sincerely thank you all so much. Be sure to catch up on every episode of NC Realtors Redefine by subscribing to our podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or SoundCloud. 